My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. We are becoming the men we wanted to marry. Gloria Steinem. Raise your hand if you relate to that quote. Pretty thought-provoking, right? When we stop seeking what we desire in life exclusively from someone else, we get to bring a fuller, more authentic, and happier person to all of our relationships. But getting to that point can be easier said than done, especially for women in the modern dating age, which brings some awesome freedom and perks, but also very often some complexities. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, everyone. I'm your host, August McLaughlin. And whether you are single, in a relationship, or somewhere in between, a gal or a guy or somewhere in between, you are in for a treat today. We are going to explore takeaways from a book that features that brilliant quote. It's called Single But Dating by sexologist and relationships expert, Dr. Nikki Goldstein, who I'm so thrilled to have here in the studio today. Before we dive in, a quick reminder to stop by my website, augustmclaughlin.com or girlboner.org. Both land on the same page where you can find all sorts of Girl Boner fun and sign up for email updates. I only send about one email a month and you can get extras from episodes, really important news. I promise not to fill up your mailbox. While you're there, click on the pleasure chest ad in my sidebar to shop for awesome toys, sexual health products, and more. And to check out their upcoming workshops, which are totally free, at their stores in LA, New York, and Chicago. They have some perfect accessories you may want to use after reading Nikki's book, particularly one of my favorite sections called Don't Hate, Masturbate. Thank you for joining me, Nikki. Thank you for having me. That's my favorite title, I think, like head title out of the entire book. You kind of want to sing it. I know. And that was one of the things that we're really conscious of doing is like making sure that the the chapter titles and the section titles were also a little bit fun. You know, you want to be entertained at the same time when you're getting your dating advice. Totally. Or your sex advice. Yeah. Yeah. And your book is really, it's insightful and has a lot of wonderful advice, but it's really funny and upbeat as well. Even when you're talking about serious topics, you tend to kind of weave in and also personal experiences. And I love that you started out with your own personal experience. And I know that many people can relate to the dark place you were in when when you started. Could you share a bit about the space you were in? Yeah. I'm, I mean, the book really came out of me exiting a relationship. That's how it all was born. And I was in a long-term relationship of six, seven years, high school sweetheart, didn't know anything different, thought that this was just going to be it. That was it for me. And one day I woke up like, upset and crying and I couldn't stop and I couldn't sleep and I couldn't eat and I was wondering what the hell was going on and I also happened to be working in the mental health field so I knew when to recognize that something wasn't right and was diagnosed with a depressive episode and I'm thinking you know what because it's so weird when you're used to having clients and dealing with this and then you suffer from it yourself and when I started picking away with a psychotherapist about what it was that was really causing me to be in that spot 
it was a lot to do with my life and my relationship. And I did feel as though life was just kind of wandering me by and I was living someone else's life. And it's what I like to call this should do curse. We live a life so much of the time according to the should do's because we think that that's what's going to make us happy. When in actual fact, no one actually stops and has a look at what's right for me as an individual, but the only way to get there is sometimes to explore and experiment so you're able to know the difference between what everyone else is trying to put onto you as right and what you think is right. Yes, that is so true. And I know you had this experience writing the book. You said you it's the guide you wish you'd had. And as I was reading it, almost right at the same time that you said that, I had just been thinking, I wish I had this because I, like many people did have a, re- a really empowering sexual freedom, free dating time, but it was also confusing. And if I had had kind of a handhold or some sort of guidance, because it does feel sort of like this wild terrain of what's up, what's down, because we tend to know kind of the conventions of when you're in a long-term monogamous relationship or when you're single, which interestingly, I hadn't thought of I, I know there's stigma around being single, but the word single, until I was reading your book, I thought just the word makes it sound like you're missing something. You're like, I'm half. That word. I'm a I half. hated the word single <laughs> because it was it was always like, well, I'm not lonely. Yeah. And that's something that you associate with people that are identifying as single or that someone that's single has no men or women in their life, whoever it is that they choose to date or that they're not having sex or that they're not having fun. It's a word that I feel when you have to declare it, you cop pity from other people. And that's really what I was trying to eliminate with coming up with a new term of single but dating, not only describing the landscape of really what so many women are up to these days, but taking the shame around it. Because dating for me is something that's fun. And I think we should celebrate that because as women, it's great that we can date. You rewind to a society where we didn't date. We were told who to marry. We didn't have a choice. We were that that was our fate. We couldn't vote. We couldn't have jobs. We couldn't have sex before. Now we're in this world where we can date very actively as women. Let's celebrate it and have a bit of fun with it. And instead of just saying, I'm single waiting at home for the phone to ring, like I'm single, but I'm dating. I love that. And did you come to that decision? through therapy? Did you have an aha moment that you're like... I did have an aha moment and it was sitting underneath a tree in Vanuatu. So um, my... That is so romantic. (laughs) It's not romantic. It was actually, I was so bored. Um, My brother is a, a... an adamant rower and he's a very good rower. So he takes me on rovations, which is when they do these carnivals and competitions in foreign countries. So he he took me to Vanuatu and I was stuck underneath this tree on this little island for seven hours. I had no laptop, no nothing. So I had a notebook and I started writing this idea for a book. And when I was thinking about labeling it and what was I going to call it, because we're all looking for that catchy title to a book, you know, what's going to sell. But I started to think about this situation I'd had in the weeks prior about going to a doctor and having to tick off the list of options that I was single and what that meant to me. And it was it was the aha moment sitting under a tree in Vanuatu. And I was like, <laughs> single but dating. <laughs> so it, it really was the aha moment. And now I find myself correcting people. You know, I've been on shows with other women and they're like, well, when I'm single, I'm like, no, 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 you're not single. You're single but dating. <laughs> so were you already single but dating? Yeah, I, I was living this life and 
knew that the attitudes and perceptions about it I was copying just didn't feel right. And people were pitting me or people thought that there was maybe something wrong with me. I remember one of my friends saying to me, Nikki, you're on the train of disaster, you know, to disaster, but you're not just on the train, you're on the first seat in the first, you know, in the first row. And I thought, well, no, I'm not spiralling out of control into disaster. What I'm actually doing is living my freedom and exploring and experimenting and doing for the first time in my life at the age of 23 what I wanted to do. And I get that in life that's something that we can't always do. As we go on, we've got responsibilities, we do get into relationships, but I feel like it's really important that if you can have a moment in your life where you get to experience that level of freedom because that's something that you will learn how to grow as a person but you'll value. And one day down the track when you don't have those freedoms, it will be okay because you once had it. I think the danger sometimes is stepping into a world where you don't have freedoms and you go straight to responsibility and then you spend that life you know, yearning to be at that point where you can just think about yourself. I love that. And it's so interesting because... For me, I was a serial monogamist for a very long time and then very single, like divorced single, and dove into the freedom land in Los Angeles where I feel like it's kind of been the culture here for a long time, but but without any sort of... Now we hear terms like non-monogamy and, you know, we hear a lot of different terms and, and people I think are starting to have more discussions, but then there were, there were none and I dove in so fast that I made a zillion mistakes of, you know, assuming that, oh, well, guys just want casual sex, for example. That's not always the case or even often was was my experience. Did you ease in or was it more of a... No, I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like you, like coming out of a long-term relationship. I think when you make the decision to exit a, a serious relationship, you have been checked out for some time. It's not like you just wake up and go, yeah, I'm not really into this anymore you're out. So for me, by the time I said the words, I was ready to experience the life that I had wanted to live. And I dove into it head first. And I had a period where nothing made sense. And I didn't really consider consequences and think about things, which on one hand, okay, yeah, is, is great when you look at freedom, but it also had implications for me. And that's also too, I was so passionate about writing this book that if you are a woman who's experienced, it sounds like what both of us has experienced, I wanted to be able to say, think and consider these things. I'm not going to tell you what's right or wrong, but you need to work out your own parameters of things like sexual boundaries and what's healthy and what's not healthy and what's right and wrong. Because when you don't consider consequences, because let's face it, we live in a society where there's consequences for everything. That's when you can find yourself into trouble, maybe physically or emotionally. Absolutely. Absolutely. What was one of the biggest challenges early on that you faced? Oh, I feel like there was this level of acceptance that I was struggling with. So even though I knew inside of my heart that I didn't want to be in a relationship at that point, I'm in a relationship now, but for many years I didn't want to be, but sometimes I tried to be because I would go back into that feeling of, well, isn't this what I'm supposed to do? Or my age would start to get to me and I think, "Mm, hang on, Nikki, like especially 29. Oh my God, 29 is the worst year for a woman because really it's not that old, but we start to freak out when we're looking at that that hump of the 30s. Just before my 30th birthday, I was dating guys more seriously, set ups, all sorts of things that they were great on paper. And I was willing to compromise myself for them because I thought these were the type of the people I should be getting more serious with. 
but they really weren't right for me. And that's where you it's finding that balance because you want to have that freedom. But sometimes you feel the pressure from the society around you that says to be validated, you should be in a relationship. And at a certain age, you should start looking at settling down. And that's where I feel like sometimes, yeah, I'm not perfect. I struggled and I had to balance that. But at least I could always pull myself out of it. You know, I could always say, hey, Nikki, what are you doing? Like I, I remember once laying in bed next to this guy um, he was perfect on paper and yet we just never really touched affectionately and there was very minimal sex. Um, he had some interesting issues going on. Now, as a sexologist, I know that sex is important in a relationship and it's something that's important to me. I actually remember laying there going, you know what, Nikki, you've had a lot of fun. Like, maybe you should just settle for the nice guy. And I slapped myself at the same time because I was like, wait, 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 no. Like that's where the the other side of you kicks yourself in the butt and gives yourself that reality check and goes, no, you're not that type of person. You're not going to compromise yourself for a good guy on paper. You're going to find somebody that is a good guy but also that you have a sexual chemistry with. So it's that balance. But sometimes you've got to be your own best judge and pull yourself up on your own crap. So one thing that I – found challenging, which I kind of alluded to, that I think a lot of people either kind of skip over, which I certainly did, or aren't really quite sure how to do it, is communicating that you're not looking for a relationship to the person that you're potentially dating or having sex with. What are your suggestions for that? I feel like you shouldn't communicate it too much because you need to be open to the idea that your feelings might change. And I feel like this is where women shoot themselves in the foot a lot. You might start off with this big song and dance of saying, you know what, this is where I am in my life. I don't want commitment. I'm just happy for something casual, yada, yada, yada. You spend some time with that person. You realize that there's something more there. You want to change, but you've boxed it into it's just casual. He might be dating other people. He might have mentally put his self into this space of, okay, she's only just casual fun, not seeing you as something more serious. And then it can be very confusing to a guy when you're going, actually, change my mind. I think I want to date you more seriously. So I think you just need to keep a bit more of an open mind and say, listen, I'm not really sure if I'm into commitment at the moment or where I want to be, but I'm happy just to go with the flow. Always keep things open because I think women seem to change their mind a lot more than men. Men seem to be very linear. This is what they want. This is what they expect. You know, it's it's more black and white. Whereas we're just this colorful circle that keeps continuing around and one minute we're this and the next minute we're that. I think we need to be open to that because instead of boxing ourselves in so narrowly and saying, this is all I want, we have to be aware of the feelings that we do feel and if we do find ourselves yearning for somebody or feeling a connection with them, don't block that out because it's a beautiful thing. Explore it and see if it works. Don't think, you know what, it's just not a good time in my life right now and I've got this career and I've got whatever. Connections and intimacy are so amazing in terms of life satisfaction. So sometimes you just have to look at balancing and go, well, maybe this is the right time to start exploring something more. Sure. I love that. And letting it evolve and naturally staying open. Yeah. And then just dealing with what what comes. Like if 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 your partner comes to you or not your partner, but your date who you've maybe been casually seeing starts bringing up more serious questions and you're not feeling that, then you just address it in the moment. Exactly. But what happens if you wake up one day and you think, you know what? there's something here that's worth exploring. And the reason I haven't felt it before is because I've had my wall up. Ah, 
We all have those walls sometimes. Yes. yes. So online dating can be exciting and very challenging and overwhelming as far as the number of choices. And I've actually heard from several people that said they got started to get very kind of fixated on it, on like who's swiping on them and and sort of using almost it as self-judgment and looking for validation. And how do you find the balance with those apps? I think you need to be careful about how much time you spend on them and what position that they have in your life. So the way I say to people to look at the world of online dating, it's just a virtual bar. You can jump in, find somebody that's interesting. You shouldn't be superficial. Just look for something that intrigues you. Maybe there's something in their photo. Maybe there's something they've written in their profile. Just to start that conversation, maybe they're really funny or they just look like that hilarious type of person. Then go and meet them for a drink. The problem is, is when we create these false online relationships and we're chatting to people and we're waiting for them to get back to us and, you know, all of those things that are going on where we can become a little fixated with this online world and we struggle to transfer it into the real world. I also think you've got to pull yourself up when you know that you're there for validation. And this is where it's just, it's just kind of like owning your own shit. You know, sometimes you do have to pull yourself up and go, hang on a second, am I just here because it feels good when someone matches me and I'm not really talking to them? And that's always a good indication. Go through your messages. If you have a lot of matches or you have a lot of, hey, how's your night going? Nothing more. You're there for validation. This is so interesting because it turns into such a journey of self-discovery. You know, instead of this kind of fixation that we can have or the pressure that we might have to feel like we're looking for the one, right? Instead of growing as an individual, you know, just even that part, calling yourself out and and checking in with yourself, I think is really amazing. You talk about porn in the book, which I think is so important to, to discuss and I've heard, again, from a lot of people who've had different responses in the dating scene, you know, things like, um, you know, certain activities that people bring up sexually that they're like, ah, I'm not into that, that they saw in porn, or what kind of impact do you think that the prevalence of porn is having on, on sex, especially for the single but dating scene? See, porn's probably one of my favorite subjects when we talk about sex because I have a lot of friends and I've spent a lot of time in that porn world and yet I'm constantly faced with people telling me how negative it is and how it's the really the root of all evil when it comes to our sexual ways. Now, I'm a realist and I'm not going to say that it's always positive because we do have this issue that people are copying porn and they're looking at doing the things that people do in porn and thinking that that's how they should be and that's what normal sex should be. It really comes down to a lack of role modeling. We have nothing else in our lives to look at how sex should be done. So we look at porn and we think, oh, that's the way that should be be done, especially for the younger generation that think that that is what a woman likes and that's what a man should be like. So I feel like we need to use porn just like we do when we go to the movies. It's sexy entertainment. So you go to the movies and you want to tune off for a while and you want to look at something pretty and you want to be entertained. That's the same thing that you should do with porn. You don't learn how to drive a car from watching a chase scene in a movie. So you shouldn't learn sex from porn stars. But porn stars themselves are very honest and open about this. Oh, yeah. we've I've talked to a bunch of them here and they – 
they all talk about the differences in their own sex lives, too, yeah. because everything on the screen has to be created in such a way that you can see everything. It's not comfortable. No. You know, and not to say that I've done it, but I've been on sets, and when you see the positions that they've got to get in because they literally have to get a camera in there as well, these aren't the type of positions that we would be wanting to achieve in the bedroom. And I also think we've got this issue that we don't talk about intimacy and connection as things that are pleasurable in the bedroom. We are this getting bigger and better society. We want to look for the next kinkier thing, but yet we have this casual sex world that is getting kinkier and kinkier, yet so many are unsatisfied in the bedroom. And when you look at the difference with a porn star between their on-screen sex life and their private life, they'll all say to you, there's much more intimacy and connection. So there's a bit of a clue to say, hang on a minute, we need this in the mix. The next difficulty, though, is is that if you're in the single but dating world and you might be casually hooking up, when you start to put elements of intimacy and connection, people freak out and think, oh, commitment. No, no, no. You could have intimacy and connection with somebody that you don't want to commit with. But it does start to get a little bit blurry where that line is. So that's the difficulty is I think you can have fun in the casual sex world Keeping in mind that things like intimacy and connection will have that experience be more fulfilling, but then knowing where your own boundary is with understanding that the intimacy and connection you might be feeling with someone is just really a byproduct from the sex hormones that are released or being touched and feeling that affection. And it isn't an intimacy and connection that should transpire into everyday life as well. So well said. Yeah. One thing I've noticed is you know, porn versus real sex, there's eye contact usually in in real sex or at some point, right? You're facing each other. But if you were doing that on camera, you would barely see anything. You're looking at the camera. You're connecting with the person that's watching the movie, not with the person that's having sex with you. So I just think we need to talk about porn more. And I wrote an article um, actually last year after going to the AVN Awards. I can explain porn to a teenager. And I can explain, just like I did before, where its relevance comes in and where its position. What I can't explain is things like reality TV and the Kardashians, something that is proposed to be reality when we all know now that there's a lot of falsifying that goes behind the scenes. But a younger generation doesn't understand that. They don't have that, I think, emotional maturity and that that cognitive ability to see where the line is. So that's that danger is that why are we so fearful of porn? What I'm fearful of is this generation growing up with so-called reality TV thinking it's real and thinking that the things people get up to and the way that they look are attainable. Yeah, I share that so much with you and social media and airbrushing and all that stuff. Facetune. Maybe we should delete Facetune. (laughs) Right? Yeah. It's... is that the app that fixes, quote, quote, fixes yeah, your face? It, yeah, it fixes your face. I actually find as a woman, especially when you're in a position of influence, when you work in the media, I try to be a bit more real. And even when I am all dressed up for TV, I'm very open about the fact that, you know what, I got my false lashes in and I've got my hair extensions and I don't wake up looking like this. And sometimes I will post photos of me just everyday normal life or, you know, looking maybe not the most flattering angle or something like that because at the end of the day I'm a real person and this is what a real person is all about is that yes as a woman it can be fun to dress up and look great and feel pretty but you've also got to be comfortable in your own skin and your natural skin because 
at the end of the day, if you want to get into a relationship or you want to date people, you don't want to always have to be that false person. You want to be able to be the real you stripped back of makeup and hair extensions and eyelash extensions and fake tans and feel confident with it. Yes. Yes, absolutely. You just made me think of a movie I saw on a plane recently, 27 Dresses. I don't know if you've oh, seen yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But Catherine Heigl. Yes. And yeah. her sister is pretending to be somebody yes. to impress this man who she's then engaged to. And all these layers add up and there's all this pressure. And I think, you know, there's that stage where, you know, you really do want to impress a person and all of that, but the realness is so important and it's so missing. And I really appreciate that example that you're setting. Yeah. And we're, we're all looking for this idea of perfection, whether it's in our looks or whether it's in our dating lives and our relationships as well. Life isn't perfect. And the term perfection is not something we can even define. You know, that was something I kind of went on the search for is how do we define this? And even speaking to plastic surgeons, there's this golden triangle model that they use that looks at the measurements of where your nose and your chin and your cheekbones should be. And having a statistics background, I could look at, okay, where does this research come from? Oh, it's some sample population that no one can really explain. I'm like, so if I was to go to a plastic surgeon and say, can you make me make my face perfect or can you change things? And they're looking at the measurements. I'm then giving in to this level of normality that's set by someone that I don't know and isn't even the majority of the population anyway. So <laughs> it just starts to not make yeah. it just does not make sense. And it's the same thing within a relationship. It's like, what's a what's a perfect relationship? And we need to empower people these days to create their it's like designer relationships. Go and design your relationship relationship based on what you want and your partner wants and what works for you. But it's a struggle because everybody will put their two cents in and say, well, if you're not doing that, are you really in love? And is it really healthy? Um, what's it? Woody Allen and what was his first wife? Oh. There's that famous quote about waving to her across the courtyard because they didn't live together. Oh, that's right. Now, theirs didn't end up to be such a successful relationship. But, I mean, no, I wouldn't say successful. I would say it wasn't a long, long-term relationship. But it may have been successful while it lasted. Thank you for saying that because I think, you know, not all relationships are supposed to last and it doesn't make it a failure. It leads you to self-knowledge or, you know, it moves us ahead in our lives and we learn from it at least. Well, I hate this idea of when you get divorced, it's like saying I've, the marriage has failed. I know. Because yeah. you haven't failed at marriage because I think let's look at two different scenarios. Let's look at a couple that are absolutely miserable. They're really, they treat each other badly, all those kind of things. But yet they stay together for the sake of a family, for kids, because they don't want to be divorced. They're both unhappy and they're together forever. Yeah. Let's look at another couple that recognize that they're in a toxic relationship. They try and work on it. They can't. They split in order to go out and be happy again. Who's successful? Who's failed? And that's why I think we really need to lift those stigmas. We've got to balance it and say to people, you've got to work for a relationship and you sometimes have to fight for a marriage. But you also need to know when you get that point where you think, I've tried everything and this isn't working and this isn't what's right for the both of us, but I haven't failed. I've successfully completed a marriage of five years, six years, seven years, whatever it is, and I'm doing something right by me by going out and trying to be happy again. Yes. Dr. Megan shared, I believe last week, 
she was talking about the research by John Gottman, who studies marriage, and that a lot of couples on average know that they have issues within like a year, and it takes on average seven to get help, or six to seven. And that's heartbreaking. I mean, I admire people trying and and all of that. uh, But But life also goes by very quickly, like when you're in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is you might have stability. You might have somebody that is supporting you. The relationship's still not working, but it's sometimes nice to have that in your life. A family, I mean, that's the really difficult one is that it's not easy to split up a family these days. So those kind of factors can see someone stay in a relationship longer than they should be, but no one can tell you when you should leave a relationship. It has to be your own decision because otherwise you might have regret and you're going back and forth or you've got these feelings of guilt. It may take you a few more years longer but it has to be your decision and come from the right place. That's so important to really know and to to find it within instead of seeking it, you know, from everyone else. It kind of ties into our listener question for this week who's in a relationship bind. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, we are going to share this with our resident sex and relationship expert, Dr. Megan Fleming of GreatLifeGreatSex.com. Pima wrote this, I've been with my boyfriend for two years and it's been great overall, but we're going to be living a few hours apart for almost a year soon due to our jobs. I figure it would be hard but manageable since we can still get together on many weekends, but he dropped a bombshell the other day. He wants to see other people through the year. He swears just casually, basically making our relationship an open one until we're in the same town again. I'm so embarrassed, I actually thought he was going to propose and instead, this. He swears there's no one else now, I'm trying to believe that, and thinks some freedom will help us both grow. He hasn't had other sexual partners, but I have, so I think that's part of it. Maybe I'm being selfish, but I think we grow apart and feel hurt that he even wants to see other people. If I say no, I'm afraid he'll resent me. If I say yes, I'm afraid he'll be out having sex with other women while I'm miserable. Pima, thank you so much for your question. Here's what Dr. Megan had to say. Ah, Pima, you know, I feel your pain. Um, you know, because this is in sense the nature of relationship in that, um, you know, clearly you guys have been, um, you know, in these last two years really feeling connected and so much so that you actually imagined that he might propose. And yet, you know, I think it's just helping us all appreciate that, um, there, you know, there's that poem or expression, you know, if you love something, set it free free. And if it comes back, it's yours. Um, you know, there's no right answer here. And it's definitely clear that from your perspective, it would be great to honor sort of the commitment that you've had and to sort of manage the long distance by, you know, frequent visits and sexy emails and texts and checking in. And yet, you know, the fact that he's saying he wants to be open to, you know, potentially dating other people, Of course, that's going to create anxiety because it's creating uncertainty. But I can also say to you, when and if it's not meant to be, you know, there's a part of me that says it's better to know sooner than later. Um, Because as you're saying, listen, he's not had other sexual partners and perhaps not a lot of experience. So much that maybe he doesn't even appreciate how amazing you are and how amazing the relationship is. You know, there's sort of this idea that the grass is greener, uh, in a sense, on the other side. And I actually personally believe the grass is greener where we water it. And yet I don't think 
No, your boyfriend necessarily even has that experience, or maybe he's feeling some anxiety about what the distance or separation will mean, or sort of the, you know, you know, fear of missing out FMO. And so listen, I think it's often the hardest thing to give our partner when, if they uh, are seeking it, that kind of space. And yet I think only in giving him the space, can you truly know whether or not he's all in, right? Really committed to you, your relationship and your future. Those sirens are telltale <laughs> signs of being in New York City. Uh, but I loved what she had to say. I think it's so important to, you know, to have that confidence if somebody's, you know, in doubt. And, and perhaps, do you believe that? Letting somebody be free and see if it works I out? Mean, I find as an Aussie, sometimes we've got a little bit more, we're a little bit more straightforward with our advice. So mine's probably not as nice, but I would be pissed off if I was her. Because I do feel like this is an excuse to sleep with other people. If your relationship has never been open and your partner wants to have an open relationship just because you're going a few hours away, I wouldn't be happy at all. And I think as women, we need to stand up for what we believe in. And if you never talked about the possibility of an open relationship, then having one now when you're not so sure about it is not right. It's crossing a, it's crossing a boundary of yours. So, you know, like I'm doing long distance at the moment for a month. My partner's back home. If he were to turn around to me and say, you know what, Nikki, you'll be over there for the month. Like I'd really like to date other people. I'd be like, bye-bye. It's not the premise of our relationship. And I don't think that you need to sleep with other people necessarily to realise what you have. Yes, that can work. You know, yes, when someone goes out there and has, you know, dates other people, has sex with other people, they might go, oh, what I had was was really great. They might not. And I question the connection here and I question the motivation from him to really be in this relationship because even though he's saying there's no one else and it's just casual, that's how all serious relationships start, start out as casual. It's playing with fire. What happens if you go, okay, yes, and then he goes off and starts dating someone else and has feelings and falls in love? Like, it's just opening up your relationship for disaster. So I think unless you have had a conversation in the beginning when you first got together about this idea of being open, maybe you've been open before, if it's always been a closed relationship and it's only one year and you're only a few hours drive away, then I think you've got to have a serious conversation with him because I think you want different things. You know, okay, maybe I could understand that if you were looking at a few years and you're looking at a few hour flight, if something is right and something is worth fighting for, work at it. And that's something that we don't do in relationships these days. We don't work as hard as maybe we once used to because we have these options. But I feel that's that's a bit sad. For the right person, I'd move heaven and earth, and I have, and, and I still will continue to. I love these two perspectives. I have a feeling that, you know, intuitively she'll probably go, oh, that's that's me. Like that's what I needed to hear. Or maybe there's pieces in both. But what I love about your, what you're saying is really standing up for your wants and mm. your needs, and not. And I wonder if she has had conversations with him yet. You know, because I think also the conversations, as you said, have a real honest conversation. It's possible that she hasn't explored yet or shared her feelings. And what if? Once he knows how she feels, he's like, wait, no, I don't want this, you know, or you never know. How would he feel if she was sleeping with other people? 
Right. Because a lot of guys are okay okay with it. And then, you know, they like this idea of an open relationship and you're like, well, okay, so I can date other people too and I can have sex with other people too. And they're like, yeah. Yeah, I would would assume, (laughs) I hope. I definitely wouldn't just wait, (laughs) you know, like, oh, yeah, go have sex with people and I'll be here crocheting or whatever. What's that that movie, since we're talking about movies, How to Be Single? And the couple are, they're in college and she's never been single before. It's Dakota Fanning, isn't it? The, I the didn't one that see plays. It. So she's she's in this long term relationship with this guy, and they're really in love. And she goes, "Well, I've just never been single before, and I feel like I need some time on my own." And she ends up moving to New York for an internship at a law firm. And I feel like she really shoots herself in the foot because she says, "I just think we should be seeing other people for a while, like with this idea of we'll get back together." He doesn't want to. And in that scene, they look like such a cute couple and he seems so in love with her. In that time, he goes out, dates someone else, falls in love with her. Then when she's done, okay, exploring her single time and being on her own, she wants to get back with him. He's with the other girl and ends up getting engaged to the other girl. So, you know, this is one of these things that we need to look at. And I love that that thing that, that Megan says about the grass is greener where you water it. We are in the society of FOMO and we need to be so careful about it. If you are single but dating and you can explore and experiment and go out and see what all the grass is like, fine. If you're in a relationship that's good and you're willing to risk that for this idea of FOMO and finding out what other things are on offer, you might just in turn realize that what you had in the first place was really good, but then you've either destroyed it or you've risked it and it's gone. So you've got to be so careful when you feel like you're missing out. Look at what you have because that's going to determine whether you go out and explore and experiment or whether you work on what you do have and you say, okay, I get it. I might not be able to have a life like August has had and like Dr. Nikki has had, but I've got something that so many people are searching for and I've got something that's worth fighting for. Remember, no relationship will be perfect and no dating situation will be perfect. Why risk something that's amazing only to find out that it was amazing and potentially have lost it? Yeah, that hurts. Mm. That really hurts. Really insightful. I love that you talk about sex and dating bucket lists. (laughs) And I feel like we can all do that at any time, you know, whether we are in a relationship or not. Tell us why that was an important piece of your book. Well, when I went through and re-edited the book, I changed it to have these exercises in there because I found that when I was not putting pen to paper, putting manicured finger to key, a lot of the things that I was talking about, it was cementing it back in my mind. So I realized something like these bucket lists that we always talk about, no one usually writes down what they want. When you look at the idea of sex and dating, We think we know what we want and then that changes and we get influenced by maybe porn or our friends or a Cosmo article. I think it's really important to go, okay, what do I want and why do I want it? Because when you start to explore why you want it, that will give you that sense of should I actually try it or should I just keep it on the bucket list for something fun? If it's I read it in an article or I saw it on a movie, it still might be worth giving it a go but you're not going to be able to get through maybe your entire bucket list and you shouldn't push yourself to be before you get into a relationship but exploring why you want those things and what has the most importance will help you focus on those things first 
if someone does come in your life and you're halfway down your list and they're worth fighting for and they're worth keeping, you'll go, you know what? I tried some of the things I really wanted to do on the list and I know why I wanted to do them, but now I found somebody that's worth being in a monogamous relationship for or committing to. So I do think like in the book it's a it's a written exercise and whether you get the book or you don't, I think it's worth writing down what your sex and dating bucket list is and where you got those ideas from because remembering back to what we were talking about at the beginning, you need to work out is that idea something that you want to do or is that idea something that was influenced by these external factors? Right. You think you should be doing something from Shades of Grey. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. We should all date a Christian Grey once in our life. We right. should all have a bedroom experience with a Christian Grey. Maybe, maybe not. But you've got to work out what it is that you want. Because if you really want something, you've got more of a chance at actually giving it a go or trying it versus when you feel like you should try something. Or you know, for a lot of people, for example, a one night stand. Now, I think it's good to try a one night stand, but that's talking from personal you know, experiences. Not everyone's comfortable with that and that's fine. So imagine if someone wasn't comfortable with that and they think in this hypersexual hookup culture that they really need to give it a go and they do give it a go and they feel really upset about it afterwards and they feel really down about themselves and they feel like they've cheapened themselves. That's not going to be a positive experience. A positive experience is looking at something that you want to try for the right reasons and then giving it a go. Mm, yes, yes. No matter what your desires are. And if you're more, quote, vanilla, whatever that means, that's okay. And if you don't want to have one night stands or if you want to have many, it's totally up to you. What about having the conversations with those one night stands as far as um, safe practices, condoms and birth control? Um, so many times, I know in the LA scene, there's this whole like, for a while it was, you know, people would uh, have these certain things they would say, like, what do you want to have for breakfast? And then you knew that that's they were inviting you over or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there was, you know, it so, so often it, an experience just kind of fades into sex or races into sex. And obviously it's important that we take care of ourselves. I think as women, one of the best things that you can do is carry condoms on you that you like. Because, you know, some women have latex allergies, some women just have a particular brand that they like, but always have them on you because in this day and age, you just don't know where you end up in a situation that turns sexual. Sometimes you're somewhere and you think, wow, how did that get to there? You always want to be prepared. But I also think as a woman, you need to stand up for what you think is right in terms of safer sex practices. It's really difficult these days because I feel like guys do pressure women to take the condom off. And now we have this thing called stealthing, which I think is just horrendous. You know, guys taking off the condom halfway through sex. And often there's never a conversation around, have you been tested? Are you on the pill? Nothing like that. I get it on one hand because a lot of people can get caught in that passionate moment and it can be very difficult to stop and have those conversations. But you need to work out how to keep yourself safe and how much of an importance that is. If you want to look after yourself on a sexual health level, why not pipe up and say to the guy, well, when was the last time you tested? Or I I need to use condoms, making sure that they're used effectively. You know, all these little conversations that may need to be had quite quickly, 
but also making sure that you stand up for yourself and you protect yourself. Because in the casual context, you can't rely on the other partner to be protecting you. It's you who's going to be protecting you. And you should never be going to bed with somebody who isn't going to respect that. If someone's going to be disrespectful and try and stealth you or try and have unprotected sex with you when you're not comfortable with it, walk away. Plenty more fish in the sea. Thanks to these dating apps, you know, if you want a casual hookup, you can go and find it. But have a casual hookup that's respectful. Yes. And you talk about, which I love, making sure you're not thinking with your vulva because we so often hear about guys thinking with their penises, right? And we don't generally hear about thinking with the girl boner. And I think that's so important, and especially in that context when things are getting really This is where girl boner is just perfect. Like this is exactly yeah. probably, if I was going to d- define girl boner, this would be it. Yeah. Um, because let's face it, women do get horny just like men do. And especially when we look at a woman's cycle, there are certain days where she's going to feel more sexually excitable than others. I love and I think ovulating. Oh, ovulating's great because it's what our body is organically supposed to do. Our bodies are craving more so at that time sex because there's this biological link where they think they might get pregnant. Now, obviously, that's not the intent every time we have sex, but we can have fun with that. But sometimes when a woman is at those stages of ovulating or, you know, everyone has a different stage where they feel really horny, she may be led with her vulva and not her brain. It's fine to act on a sexual urge, but you also then need to put it through the filter of your brain and go, okay, am I being safe? Is this consensual? Am I doing this out of validation? Is this person respecting me? Tick, 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 tick. Oh, yep. Okay, vulva can take over control now. (laughs) Yes. I guess having that in mind in advance might help too because we do get so caught up because girl boners are very intense, you know? So having that- I don't hate masturbate. Yes, (laughs) yes. What are some of your favorite masturbation tips or, or kind of little known practices that you'd recommend? I think one of the first things is working out how to relax your mind. Um, If you are caught up in your head about, oh, I've got to have an orgasm. This is, I think, the struggle of a lot of women who feel the pressure to have an orgasm. Once they get in that headspace, it's like the pleasure breaks are, are cut off. Or if you've got a time limit or you're really stressed, you can't turn your mind off, work out how to relax first and then you can explore what you want to explore with at that time. Because I think self-pleasuring will always change and there's no limits to it. It's not just a matter of stimulating the clitoris or stimulating the G-spot. It might be touching your body. It might be watching porn, whatever that's going to excite you at that time. So it's really important that we open our minds to what it means to self-pleasure. And that's why sometimes I also too, I like the idea of self-pleasuring rather than masturbating because masturbating can have a very... I think a clear goal when we say the word, we think of a man masturbating, self-pleasuring. It's like it's all about you and what feels good to you. Now, some people find clitoral orgasms much more easier to achieve. I don't think it means that if you are a clitoral person that you can't have a G-spot orgasm. I just think that it means that that's your easier option. You know how to do that. It's like the default. I know that if I stimulate my clitoris either with my hand or with the vibrator, I'm going to achieve an orgasm. Whereas you think, I I can't have a G-spot orgasm. Yes, you can. It's a matter of exploring and experimenting. So don't beat yourself up if you can't have an orgasm and you've tried to masturbate with G-spot stimulation. 
think, okay, what did I learn from that? Did something feel good? Could I change something? Could I alter the situation? So really that's where I think women, no matter if they're a relationship or dating, continue to masturbate because you will learn more about your body and you will learn more about the sexual possibilities and what your turn-ons are and where you like to be touched. And it's in the safety of your own hands. Yes, absolutely. And you mentioned hands. Do you also recommend experimenting with toys? I'm such a fan of toys. Um, It's adult toys and the new Barbie doll for adults. So true. Do you have a favorite, a personal favorite? Um, Right now, I would say because I'm traveling, uh, the Crave vibrators that you can charge to the side of your laptop I'm pretty is that the sure one that's a necklace? Lo- there is a necklace version, but there's one that looks like a USB stick. Uh, um, I think I've actually lost mine in my suitcase full <laughs> of luggage. Maybe you traded it with your or fellow maybe, passenger's actually, USB drive. Well, what is it when they search your suitcase, TSA? Or oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I've had a few of those notices flying in my handbag, so who knows? They might have stolen one. Yeah. Um, I also think lube, though, is the unforgotten sex toy because people often associate lube with, you know, drying up down there we need to you know something else um but I feel like we should all be using lube whether that's masturbation or with a partner also to these days we're aiming and striving to go longer harder faster now before you get to the point where you experience pain use the lubricant to make things glide easier Mm. because once you get to that point where you start to feel a bit of discomfort it's kind of too late and it doesn't mean as a woman that you're not turned on enough or as a guy you're not turning her on enough if you need to use lube it should be something I think you use straight up yeah it's so fun yeah I mean it's magical it's like foreplay frosting or something yeah yeah there's there's a great lube there's a great lube that um I'm pretty sure it's organic because I'm very fussy with parabens and glycerins and things like that. I think it's wet stuff maybe and it's salted caramel Mm. and it makes the room smell like you're burning a beautiful candle, like a scented candle. And it actually tastes like salted caramel too. Oh, I want that. Fun. Yeah. (laughs) That is so exciting. Yeah, I like Good Clean Love. They have different uh, scents and aromas too and they have these oils that work with your – um, pheromones oh, wow. and they smell different on every person oh. so you can kind of put one you and on your lover so it's even like on the August just, smell the yes. Nikki smell and then together it's the Nickus smell <laughs> or something <laughs> yeah oh my goodness so tell us more about your work and if people want to work with you or read your fabulous book the best place to buy it so if you head to my website, drnikkig.com.au, there is all sorts of links there of different options where you can buy the book. Uh, predominantly, though, I think Amazon's normally an easy option for a lot of people, a lot of bookshops, um, depending on where you are in the country, a lot of the, the larger bookshops do stock it. Uh, follow me on Facebook. I've actually been locked out of my Instagram account at the moment, not because I posted anything bad, but because I forgot my password and the uh-huh. email address is invalid that it goes to. So I'm very um, I'm very vocal on Facebook. I love interacting with people. I share a lot of content because I've realized that Facebook is a space that I'm able to say exactly what I want to say without somebody editing it or any censorship or anything like that and I'm really enjoying it so you know say hi if you've got a question please be respectful though that's I mean that's something definitely when you put yourself out there and you've got sexologist job title it does um, bring in some interesting comments and messages but 
I really, my passion is to help people and I'm always welcome to people giving me feedback, but also asking questions that maybe other people want to know as well. I do something called Ask Dr. Nikki and I find that a lot of the questions that I get emailed, they apply to so many different people and yet the person emailing in is probably thinking that they're so bizarre and they're so abnormal and that the only person they can ask this this question to is a sexologist that they can email. They don't have to front up in person. And yet I want to say to them, do you know how many times I get asked that particular question? Or do you even understand how many other people will identify with these? So I think the more we can provoke having these conversations, the better we will be. It doesn't mean that one opinion is going to be right or wrong, but to hear other people's thoughts and opinions on the subject and their own experiences, I think can only grow us as a society. Beautiful. Absolutely. I so agree with you. And I love your insight. I love your spirit and your message. It's such a authenticity focused book, I think, about learning more about yourself. And it's a really digestible read. It's it's um, it's one that you can just pick up and read straight through. And it, you kind of feel like you're hanging out with you. So it's very fun. I tried. Yeah. And then if you want to hang out with me. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my address. Yeah. Here's my number. Give me a call. We'll talk single but dating. <laughs> I love it. I love it. One last tip uh, for anybody who is single but dating right now and is new to it and is kind of trying to figure out maybe they have been on the, you know, monogamous serial monogamy kind of train and they're trying to find that freedom. First stepping out, what's a really good first step? I think the first step is 100% self-confidence because you need to do the work on yourself. You need to understand your boundaries. You need to get a bit of a maybe a thick skin because going out into this dating world these days is so much fun, but it can be very complex and it can be full of rejection and ghosting and breadcrumbing and all these crazy things. In order to be able to enjoy that dating experience and not be crushed by it and thinking, oh, dating's just too hard these days, You need to have done that work on yourself and become what I like to call a confident data because then you have this attitude of, you know what, this guy might not be the right guy for me or, you know, I know that maybe this is a bit risky, but I also know that I can pick myself back up the ground. I've got my break in case of an emergency plan. I know how to get myself back because I'm a strong, confident data and it gives you more options and more freedom. That way you can go and explore and experiment and always know that you have somebody within yourself. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. So much fun. All the way from Australia just to be on Girl Boner. <laughs> you can fly me over anytime you want. <laughs> if you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, please subscribe on iTunes if you haven't and consider leaving us a simple review while you're there. Remember to stop by my website, augustmclaughlin.com and keep listening. Thank you so much for being here and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.